0: we would be honored if you would join us welcome back to the rebel alliance media podcast I was going to say, as always, it's p and pooty, but it feels like it's been a long, long time since it's been p and pooty. So it's just pooty today, uh, back after a bit of a hiatus, busy time of life. You know how it goes. I'm here with you guys for a semi-special edition of the Rebel Podcast. We're going to go with that when really it is we've had no time. So therefore, you only get me this week. I apologize in advance. Um, as always, we are the Rebels Part of the Rebel Alliance Media Network, along with the Awakening Reformation podcast, Fathers of the Faith podcast. We used to have videos and stuff like that as well, but hey, it's all coming back next year. Thank you all to to all our Patreons. We appreciate all your support. We promise 2020, going to make good on your investment. Um, Promise on that. Mostly... Nate is promising on that. No, I'm just playing. Um, okay, wonderful. Let me get started here with uh, some Rebel News. This isn't really my cup of tea. Rebel News is is Nate's baby. He's great at it. I'm I'm just going to do my best here. So I got two quick, brief Rebel News items for you today. Uh, the first one, just a little bit of fun. What do you think the most searched for verse on YouVersion, um, so the Bible app, is in 2019? Now that you've all had a thorough think about it, you've probably all said Philippians 4.13. You're all wrong. It's actually Philippians 4.6, which, let me just bring it up here for you, it says this. Now, I'm, I'm reading out of the NLT because I feel like this is probably a version that um, a lot of people have searched for it on. And it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him, for, thank him for all that he has done. Not bad. Not bad. Not a bad verse for the most searched verse. Let's read it in a stiffer tar- transla- uh, translation is the word I'm looking for there. Um, and see what it says. And then we'll see what you guys think about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, here's my thoughts on this. This is the most searched for verse, and I and I think I think that's actually telling of where we are as a culture right now. Um, simply put, bring everything in prayer to the Lord. Obviously, that's something we're always supposed to be doing, always should be doing, and thanking Him for all that He has done. Absolutely, hundred percent stuff we should all be doing. But I think I think we're seeing a reason why that's probably one of the most searched for verses this year is simply because. As a culture, it seems like we're all at wit's end. And I say that meaning like if you look around the media, um, the newspapers, if people still read newspapers, um, online blogs, uh, interviews, movies, themes and TV shows, the whole nine yards, it seems like everybody's kind of got to the same place right now. And that's a place of feeling hopeless. And when I say that, the exception to that would be The church. Now, I hesitated there, not because I think um, I'm wrong in saying that the church is the one exception to uh, to a place of um, hopelessness. I would say it's not the church at large. I would say it's a, a minority in the church that still believes and still holds true to the fact that Jesus is going to be victorious over this world regardless of what it looks like around us at the t- at this time. And I think I think this verse tells us and shows us that that people who are reaching their wits end that are they are getting to the point where they realize that this needs this culture this society that we live in needs supernatural fixes, that there's nothing that we can do by gritting our teeth, by um, white-knuckling it, as you say, we'll do anything to change this. What needs to happen is for divine intervention, for God to do what he is in the business of doing, and that's redeeming hearts, changing minds, and reswaying, re-swaying people's thoughts and and hearts to what is important in this world. And I think I think this verse tells us that there's there's a desire in people to see that happen. They just don't know how to make it happen. And I, uh, I think that's, maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but that's kind of what I think because like in the past, I, I did a very brief study um, and one website I found like most of the verses were, I know the pl- I like Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There was a there was a different tone over the last like I only looked about the last seven years or so of verses that were the verse of the year, so to speak, the most searched for verses, the most quoted, most highlighted verses. And this year, it's a very different, different sense that is pray about everything, give go to God in prayer and supplication, bow before Him, and thank Him for what He's done in your life. And I think that's, like I said, I think that shows us where we're where we're at as a culture. Um, the second piece of rebel news that I wanted to touch base on is actually a bit of an odd thing that I saw, I found, and, um, and let me get, just get the article up here for you guys. Um, so basically, what's happened is because of one complaint, the U.S. military who one of the rebels is actually involved in, in the U S military, um, has actually banned putting Bible verses on their dog tags. Now, is that the end of the world? Is anybody really like outraged throwing up arms? I've seen nothing about this on social media in terms of like outrage, Maybe I'm the only one that's outraged by this, but you're going to hear it anyway because I have a microphone and you don't. Um, so what's basically they're saying here is that because of one complaint, you're not allowed to put Bible verses on your dog tags anymore in the military or on officially licensed Army apparel. And so why this why this bothers me not not because I think like having a Bible verse on your dog tag means anything. It's not like uh, um, isn't going to stop bullets or anything like that for you. But what I think, it, what I think it shows is that it shows this this idea in our culture that if it offends me, therefore it needs to be illegal. And I'm going to get into more of that later as we uh, do some deep thoughts with Booty. Uh, but there's an idea in our culture where if 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 it's something that bugs me, it needs to be eradicated for everyone. It, I can't just let you do you and me do me. I have to cease and I have to destroy everything that you're thinking. Now, I know that obviously we do the same thing with other things, but we do it for a much, much different reason. Um, And obviously I'm I'm referring to like we are out to stop and and completely abolish abortion rightly because – you know that isn't just you do you you do me. You're actually murdering an unborn children. But we can we get into that enough on the rebels. Um, I'll just throw that out there for you. Now, what the, what this actually is doing though, it's actually going to put a company that's been in business printing dog printing Bible verses on dog tags for twenty years out of business because that's what their business does. Um, and I'm and I I don't know. This is a capital capitalist society. Businesses come and go based on the whims of our whims of our culture. But what what's interesting about that is that they're not banning us putting our genders on the on dog tags us putting our blood type on the dog tags they're not banning anything that like would identify us in other ways as male as female as o negative or b positive they're they're specifically targeting our religious beliefs and i and i notice now i don't know if this is a common practice in the us military um sure somebody in the comments can point out if Quran verses get po- posted on dog tags, and that's still legal. If you're not allowed to like post anything like a famous saying or a famous quote, I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just find it funny and very enlightening that the one thing that gets targeted and, and highlighted and, and needs to be abolished is the Bible verses. Why? Because ultimately everybody's on one of two sides you're either with god or you're against god there is no neutrality there is nobody who sits and thinks you know what i'm i'm easygoing either way easygoing either way means you're against it and so therefore you're you're attacking and taking off the one thing and I, and to be honest as i'm am I'm a canadian citizen i'm not an american um so but i recognize the idea that there are men and women who are in conflicts in this world, who are defending the freedoms and the liberties I take for granted um, and the things that I take for absolute divine right, even though they're not because they've been bought and bought and paid for by other men and women's lives. And if they want to stamp a dog, a Bible verse on their dog tag to make them feel comforted, to make them feel empowered, just simply for their sheer, um, enjoyment even, uh, uh, for going into battle, be, do those things Then I say have at it. Um, I say it is none of our business what they put on their dog tags. It's their dog tags. Um, it's just another, up, another time where, um, another example of if men won't be go- governed by 10 commandments, we're going to be governed by 10,000 until only a list of like 75 things are, are, you're allowed to do everything else is abolished. And I just think it's outrageous. Um, so that was my quick rebel news. I apologize in advance because obviously Rebel News isn't as, isn't as fun when Nate's not getting all fired up about Trudeau. But he's not here today because I'm in my office in my house drinking coffee, um, talking to you guys. So anyway, let's jump into the episode because we haven't had a time to get together in a long time to record. We've we've got a lot of questions built up. I don't like just answering questions though. So what we're actually going to do today, um, we're going to do some deep thoughts with Pooty, uh, so as he just gets a chance to just just. Tickle your ears with my melodic voice and cough and drink coffee in your ear. Anyway. Okay. So one of the, I'm going to start with the easier of the questions because this has happened since um, the last time I recorded out Disney plus has launched. And so I'm sure Nate gets serious questions. Grant and Erica get serious questions. I get questions about the Mandalorian. Um, So, People have asked, not just one, what's what is what are my thoughts on The Mandalorian? Now, I'm going to try to do this without spoiling anything because I know there's probably tons of people who haven't even watched it yet, have no interest in the show at all. But let me just say why I, I am pro-Mandalorian at this point. Um, first thing I find is it's actually just a good show. So you watch it. It's pure so far. Now, uh, I'm at, at time of recording, there's been five episodes released out of, out of I think, eight that they're going to do. So far, so good in terms of appropriateness. I, I wouldn't have a problem with um, kids of a certain age watching it. Um, obviously, not, I wouldn't put your infant in front of it just because it's violent, but um, it's not like graphic violent. It seems like it's just normal. Um, appropriate TV, just like the original trilogy was. It's highly influenced by Westerns. It's highly influenced by um, just space opera type things, which is really, really good. I really in- I really like it. Now, let me throw out why I think what's interesting about The Mandalorian, because it's a massive success streaming all over. Now, anything Star Wars related generally, except for Solo, is a massive success. We'll see about The Rise of Skywalker. But Um, This show, what's interesting about it, now spoilers are coming here, so if you want to stop, stop now, and then I'll tell you when you're safe to come back, and I'll make sure that's in the show notes. The spoiler premise of the show is that the Mandalorian is a gruff bounty hunter who seems to have his own gray moral compass. Uh, We don't really understand... Where he draws the line. Um, one of his famous lines in the show so far is, "I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold." Like he doesn't seem to have a real desire to be maliciously, like a like overly violent if he has to, uh, but he's not afraid to be violent if he needs to. Um, so we we get a sense that he has kind of a. A gray moral cal- moral guideline to in terms of uh, how he appropriates uh, <laughs> appropriates how he does his job. That arises up to the point where he's tasked with bringing in a baby. Um, and the star- the whole premise of the Mandalorian show is that the remnants of the Empire. Um, bear in mind, this takes place after the Rebels have defeated um, the Global Empire, but they're still mopping up the world, similar to how. Christianity is taking over this globe slowly, by slowly and surely. After the empire has fallen, um, anyway, the empire is out to get this baby and has seemed to hire every bounty hunter in the in the galaxy to hunt down and murder this children, except ex- this child, except for the one that hires the Mandalorian. He wants this child brought in alive or dead. He doesn't really care. But the the point is is that the Mandalorian makes a choice, and his choice is to protect that baby's life. And now, what I find interesting about that is that this is a very popular show. Very popular... I think, I believe, if I'm not 100% accurate, I apologize, but I believe it is the most stream show of all time, Passing Stranger Things, or the first episode was, or something like that. Something along those lines. Like, it's very, very popular. You get the idea. What I find interesting about that is that we live in a culture that very much, very much doesn't value children, and when I say that, I mean nobody nobody in our culture is actively saying babies that are that are running around toddlers should be killed i think i think we all universally agree babies toddlers need to be taken care of but we live in a society that very much is divided um, on the on the term of what about the unborn and how that's not a real not a real thing not a like we need to that we're okay to kill those as long as they're not alive, but yet this show's premise is simply about the value and the sanctity of keeping this one child alive, which seems to be creating a ton of conflict around. Just you know, it would it would go easier for everybody if the baby was just killed because of the simple fact that you know all this violence and all this. Um, drama that has happened because the Mandalorian is trying to keep this child alive wouldn't be happening. But the point is that we all seem to get, we're all cheering for the Mandalorian. We're all cheering for um, the baby here because of the fact that we want them to survive because innately inside of us, we know that's right. And we know that child's life, a child's life is, is the responsibility of, of the adults to keep and protect. And it's funny to me that Disney has produced the show that 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 the basic theme and premise is protect the the undefensible protect the people the babies who cannot protect themselves and yet our culture can't link the unborn to the born they can't see that that is what the pro-life movement is trying to do is protect those that can't protect themselves and I find it funny that the most stream show is based on a premise that, most, not most. I don't know the numbers, but a lot of people, particularly even within Di- in Disney, who are making the show, would look at it and say, "Well, no, that's not what I believe morally." But yet, the show itself is 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 based on this premise that we need to keep this baby alive, and therefore we continue to root for this morally gray man to protect and keep this baby alive. I just find that very interesting and very fascinating how our culture can't seem to link. Two things that seem so blatantly obvious to us, they can't link them, and and I and I have to I have to say there's only one explanation for that, and that's it's, that it's it's a spiritual thing that one person looks at something that's clearly obvious, clearly true, and rejects it, just like Romans tells us that everyone knows there's a God and they choose to ignore it, they choose to suppress it. This is a truth that the unborn need to be protected. That's. Obvious in our society. There's no argument against protecting the unborn. And yet our society has no choice because they're blinded and they're corrupt and they're sinful to look at that and say, I, that can't be true. So therefore I have to reject it. And then a show comes along and very clearly shows us that, and we all root. For the person who's doing the one thing that we all re- would morally re- reject when we're sitting there thinking about it, I just, I just, I just think it's very interesting. I think as we, as this show expands, I hope they play on that theme. And what I mean, I don't expect them to go into unborn forced babies. Um, I don't expect them to go into any of that area. But I, I hope they play on that theme that the Mandalorian did what he did, went against his code, went against his um, guilds rules and regulations to protect this baby because he realized that that protecting the baby is the right thing to do. And I think it's a, I think it's a, I hope, I hope my prayer is that any Christian who's watching the Mandalorian hasn't missed that. Um, and is, and is getting into the conversations at their workplace. I know I have, um, already about that theme, that idea that, that children are a precious commodity that we as a society simply just don't produce enough. Um, we we just we don't replace ourselves. That's not something we do. Other people are doing that. We as a as a generic as a Western culture, I'll, I'll, I'll say, aren't doing that. We don't replace ourselves very often. It's we look at families who are five, ten children, and say that's weird. Instead of praise the Lord for the. the for the the blessings that have been given to you, um, and I say that as somebody who at this at this moment can't have children myself, but I look at those and I still see that that is what we're supposed to be doing. I look at that and say, Lord, bless the church with fertility, bless the church with more and more children being born, because that's what our mandate is—to go forth. Subdue the earth and multiply and, and repeat. And I just think I, I as I see the show, I hope that people are getting into that conversation with their coworkers to be like, "Do you see that? Like, you like the show because he's protecting the unborn, he's protecting the the hopeless, the defeated." And I think there's something. I think there's something uniquely there, and I think that's partly why it's successful because of the fact that one, it's Star Wars; two, Mandalorian armor is, armor is cool; but three, it hits on something that rings true to all of us that children need to be protected. Second thing, in of terms of uh, some deep thoughts, I've I've been asked a couple times about um, Kanye West and, and his seemingly legit trans- transformation into a Christian. And my first rebuke to everybody um, is one: I don't know if Kanye West is, is a legitimate believer. My same thing. I say the same thing about every celebrity who comes to Christianity is is I don't believe it's I don't believe it's outside of God's control or God's power to save Kanye West fully. He saved the apostle Paul, he saved me. He saved everyone who I know that is saved. Before they were saved, I looked at them like there's no tra- there's no chance that they could become a Christian, myself included, yet God and his sovereignty opens our eyes because it's supernatural work that can bring us into a relationship with him. So I say, I pray that Kanye is, le- is legit. But I, I find it, I the, the thing with Kanye that I find interesting is that it's not just Kanye. Um, Kanye is probably the most famous person that this has happened to. But right now there's there's been, there's been almost a shift in terms of like uh, celebrities, athletes coming to faith. And, it's not overly publicized. We all know why the media doesn't want us to know all these stories, but there are, there are a number. I'm going to name some athletes. I hope uh, you guys know some of these, these names. If not, um, feel free to look them up. Uh, Two baseball players, one who I think will be a hall of famer named Manny Ramirez. uh, Another, a pitcher named Barry Zito. And then obviously Kanye West, Chris Platt, um, multiple others as well. But I'm going to focus in on, on those three guys, Manny Zito, and Kanye for a moment. Cause I, I think I think it's starting to highlight. And I think this, the, their stories need to get out there a little bit more so that we can start seeing, just start seeing how, how God is working in all different class systems and all different places in the world. So Manny Ramirez, massively rich, massively famous baseball player, all the success in the entire world, yet it didn't satisfy him at all. Barry Zito, very famous, became the highest paid pitcher in major league baseball his career went right off the rails at that point he's actually written a book called curveball i read it it's great you should check it out it's basically just his story so basically the the story of of zito in a, in a nutshell here for you guys is that he had his entire identity in in baseball he had his entire identity in playing being a great pitcher a great athlete um he's a not to sound a bit weird. He's a good looking dude. You know what I mean? He's got all the never lacked for women, never lacked for money, never lacked for status and success. Played in Oakland, signed for San Francisco, biggest contract of all time, career right off the rails. I I believe when the Giants won the world series, like two years later, he wasn't even on their roster. It was that kind kind of a catalog, um, like just an absolute collapse. The point. The point is, is that all of these these men—Manny Ma- has said it, Barry Zito has said it, Kanye has said it—found their identity in in what they were doing. Kanye in his music, Kanye in his art, Manny in be, being the fact that he's a baseball player, a Hall of Fame baseball player, slugger. Barry Zito, great pitcher, great baseball player, tried to fill their lives with everything around them, everything that we would look at as. The world would look at it and say, "He, that guy's made it. That guy's got everything he could ever want. He has lived the American dream. He has achieved everything and every every piece of glory that this world can give you: riches, wealth, women, status, reputation, um, success." Historic, like legacy, so so to speak. Everybody will talk about Manny for 10, 15 years. Kanye's music will live on. Um, not sure why, but it will. Um, everything that the this, uh, the society can throw at them, these guys have got. And yet, what have they? What do they come to conclude in their in their self? And I don't. I don't. When I say they've come to conclude it, I don't believe this is something that they themselves just woke up one, one day and said, hey, that's what I need. What did they come to conclude that none of those things satisfied them? That once, whatever it was they were putting their identity in, baseball, music, wasn't there anymore, that they weren't, that they couldn't identify with anything. That They were bankrupt, even though they had everything they would, that nothing they, could, they put in, into that black hole, so, so, so to speak, would satisfy until they found Christ. And once they put their identity in him and once they um, recognize that he is the only thing that can give true lasting joy, that can give true fulfillment in your life because your life isn't yours. It's been bought with the blood of Christ. And once they've recognized that, it's funny how their their demeanor in life has changed. Barry Zito's now in Nashville doing worship music. Kanye, we all know, has released a Christian album um, making some questionable choices in terms of company, but, um, you know, he's, he didn't need to do that for his career. His career was going fine, but what did he do? He recognized that Jesus is King and he changed his ways and long may that continue. Um, Barry, um, Barry Zito making Christian music, Manny Ramirez now in seminary. Wants to be a pastor. Wants to be. Wants to teach people about what Jesus has done for him and what Jesus is saying in His Word. We see that. Those are just three names. We know of others, and we've heard stories of other people who have had um, conversions. And I, I think I think the point is that um, so many of so many of us look to celebrities and look to just everybody, athletes and everything like that, music stars and say, they've got it all. You know what I mean? Like, I could, I, like if I just had a, a fifth of what they've been given, I would be happy. I'd be satisfied. My life would be complete. But when we hear these stories of guys like Barry and Manny, and they've had it all, they've had more than we could ever possibly dream of, and what do they still find? That it was dust in their mouth. That it was coal. That it didn't satisfy at all. Because the only thing that truly satisfies is is bowing the knees to Christ, letting him and his mercy overwhelm you, and then getting your life in order with him and, and starting to tell the story of what he has done and getting your story to join the story, his story that never ends. And I find it interesting that, um, I'm not sure if we've even mentioned uh, this guy in a while on the podcast, but a Christian comedian named John Christ. Recently has fallen from grace, um, and he's um, been accused of some things. I don't know if we're legally allowed to say what he's been accused of, but it's public knowledge. Feel free to to look it up on Fox News, like sexual allegations. But I find it funny that Barry, Kanye, we'll just say those those guys had everything, success through throughout them, recognized that it wasn't worthy, it wasn't what they needed, and found Jesus. And then somebody who was raised in the fear and the animation of the Lord who should know better, got success, got wealth, got celebrity status, got all that stuff and then fell. And it's, and I think there's, I think there's a nice danger. I'm not saying he fell because of those things, but I'm saying it didn't help. Uh, Basically what I'm, what I'm saying is that I think it's, I think it's important to recognize that chasing those things, chasing celebrity, chasing wealth, chasing, success apart from chasing after God, like apart from Jesus will always end in failure. If you're not rooted deeply in the scriptures, if you're not deeply ready for success, when it comes, it will destroy you. And I think we've all seen that at certain levels. Somebody who's takes over a ministry before they're ready and it, takes three or four years of just nightmares before either a they they quit and they they burn out or or somebody comes alongside them and starts guiding them in in the right in the right ways to do these things because we have a, t- a tendency in our culture to over promote but underdevelop and so rather than putting all the lay the the groundwork in at the start you know we have a we have a tendency to see somebody who has talent has abilities and all those things and just push them along push them forward push them forward push them forward make leaders make leaders make leaders when the the bible tells us to be followers the bible says we should be people who are following that we should be humble and not want to be pushed forward and i'm i'm guilty of this myself we all we all are we all want more than we we get we all think we're deserving of more than what than what we've been given but the Bible says like to him who who makes much of the little that is given more like basically I, I misquoted that terribly but you, you get the idea like be faithful in what little you've been given and more will be given to you and then if you're not faithful with the little that you've been giving the more you're giving the less faithful you're gonna be with it all um, and mean I think that I think that's a, an interesting di- like a duality of these four guys that I'm talking about here is like what Three of them had everything in the world, but they recognized they had nothing without Christ. And the one who had Christ or professed to, that wasn't enough for him. So he he sought after all of these other things and what did it do? Three of them it's led to their almost their their glory being increased and one of them's in shame. And I think I think that's a very interesting lesson and thing for us to, just keep in our our heads just keep in our minds as we go um, through seasons in our lives just keep that in mind chase after Christ not after the benefits and the success and the wealth that this world has to offer you um, last thing last thing i wanted to touch on um, in terms of deep thoughts with booty um sorry i'm running out of time as we as we go here is just um I made a I made a joke on Facebook like a month ago. I thought I was going to be recording the next week about Don Cherry, and it was interesting to me that I mentioned I just mentioned his name and I said my favorite thing about hockey, which I don't even like hockey in in any way, shape, or form. Um, my favorite thing about hockey just got fired, and it was like, and I said I have much to say on that, and immediately my Facebook thread blew up to like seventy different different. Comments and people assuming I'm filling in the blanks of what I'm saying with one thing versus another. Let me let me just be very clear. I don't think Don Cherry's a good man. I don't think what Don Cherry said was particularly right. I don't think what Don Cherry said was particularly well said. Um, I got his sentiment sentiment behind what he was saying. I 100% agree with the idea that if you're not supporting the people who have paid the prices for the freedoms, like I said earlier. Before, if you're not paying the proper respect to them, shame on you. Um, I don't like the way he said it. I don't like the implication that it's only one demographic of people who don't do this when that's not true. Um, I think it could have been explained a little bit better. I think it could have been handled a little bit better. And it could have definitely been handled better by his colleague who just decided, hey, this is what it looks like to throw somebody under the bus publicly. So I'm going to do that. And what I find interesting though, and I, so where, where my mind was going with this is that we live probably, well, definitely in, in the 19th, like into the 19th, the last hundred years, probably the most sensitive time in history. And so I say that only in, in the recent, like last hundred years of history is that we live in a time where the most important idol in our, in our culture right now is political correctness. You can't say anything without somebody being offended. It's just it's just not possible. I've offended at least 30 people since I've started speaking 20 minutes ago. Um, that's just like, because I assume there's probably about 100 people listening. Anyway, so I mean, but like we we can't say anything without offending someone. We also can't hear anything without somehow being offended by it. We live in a place in a in a time where everybody is sensitive to everything that is said. We don't know how to accept criticism and we don't know how to react when when we don't know how to accept criticism and we don't know how to give criticism. We're very, very good at like calling out things, but we're not very good at being critical and saying, This is where you've you've dropped the ball, this is where you need to pick up the ball. I, I noticed I've noticed this recently just in terms of like a lot of different things. And in, in we have a we have a tendency in our in our culture right now to expect everybody else to be sensitive around us but us not to be sensitive towards them and not to not to be thinking I'm not saying sensitivity is a bad thing I'm not saying sensitivity is is ultimately wrong but I find it interesting that we live in a time where being nice and being sensitive is more important than actually being accurate or being truthful examples. So at my work, there's like a, like a thing that can happen. And we, we say it and said, Hey, just do this thing. And one of the people got upset by it. They said, you know, it wasn't very sensitive that you guys asked me to do that. And I'm like, and my thought process was like, well, that is literally what we pay you for, um, is to do the thing that we're asking you to do. I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me that like people don't even want to just do what is required of them without being nicely asked to do it. There's no, there's no sense of just duty, no sense of honor anymore. It, it seems in terms of like what we're asked to do. Um, let me try to be a little bit more clear. Cause I felt like that was all um, a little bit uh, too vague. Basically what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that I don't think anybody has a problem with what Don Cherry said. I don't think anybody has a problem with him saying that, Wear the poppy to show respect for the men and women who have laid down their lives in armed service, uh, for the people who have done that. Nobody would have a problem if John Cherry said, please wear a poppy out of respect for that. Everybody would universally say, yes, okay, thank you. Where we get into trouble is that Don Cherry comes out and says, if you don't wear the poppy, that's disrespectful. And the moment we get told we're being disrespectful or um, something like that is coming against us, we naturally get our defenses up. And so when Don Cherry says, you people, is the way he worded it, implying something, we get very, very defensive. Even if he's not wrong, even if he's not, you know, even if what he is saying isn't, um, isn't, wrong at that time. We get upset because of the way people say it, because we've lived, we're probably the first generation. I'm talking to the people who are my age and younger are the first generation who have ever grown up living completely in the benefits of what the previous generation fought and paid for in our lives. We've, we haven't suffered a world war in our, in our lifetime. We haven't suffered a great depression in our lifetime. We came close. We haven't suffered like Anyone who has gone through those things has suffered. So we've never been sharpened in iron, refined by the fire in the same way that they have. Now, there are obviously men and women who are um, still fighting in armed conflicts. I'm not speaking about everyone. I'm speaking about the majority of people. The hardest thing we've ever had to deal with is job loss, which isn't not easy. I'm not saying it is um suffering emotionally suffering those types of things but we've never had to like we've never gone through a full on moment where it's life or death. We've never gone through that type of society. Even our even our parents and lived through the Cold War where every day it was the bombs are coming the bombs are going to come. You guys are all done. We're the first culture who has just who has just completely just reaped the rewards of the, of what men and women have lay, have done in the past for us, and I, <coughs> excuse me, and I think it's interesting that because we are the first generation that lives mm-hmm. in this, we're the first one that entitlement to happiness, entitlement to all of these things, is the first priority in our lives. My happiness, my enjoyment, my comfort, my satisfaction is the most important thing. If you say to me do something, do this, do this, think this, think this, say this, say this, don't say that. our natural inclination is to is to rebel against that. even if what you're saying is 100% true. and we see that in in all walks of our society because we live in a culture that's completely driven by sensitivity. there is nothing we can say to somebody that and unless we say it with complete and utter political correctness that can be be taken, even if the point is true. That's why we see so many people raging against different things, why we see free speech being taken away, because we live in a time where you can't say anything that could potentially offend anybody else, because offending somebody is the most grievous of sin you can do to them. You can walk past them as they bleed on the street. You can do any, anything to them in business. You can do anything to them in poverty. We, we, how many times have you seen somebody on one Facebook page say Don Cherry can't say that, but then criticizing a homeless person or something like that on the, on the very next thread, there's a, uh, like a certain guideline that you're allowed to do as long as what you're saying doesn't offend the masses. And I find it funny that, um, when we look at sensitivity in the Bible. Um, Everything is everything. We're always told to say everything with love, with gentleness, with kindness, um, and I agree. We sh- we should, but the things that are being said aren't always sensitive. If you look at like um, when Jesus turned to the masses, like you 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 follow me, but you're not willing. Don't follow me unless you're willing to watch. Like to leave your brother, your mother, and brother. Um, let the dead bury the dead. Things like that. They're not sensitive things that are being said. They're, they're being said kindly, but they're not sensitive, because sensitivity is something that we internalize. That's something that's on on the people who are being sensitive. You can choose to be offended by everything, or you can choose you can choose to not be offended by everything and allow everything to be reflected through the lens of the Bible and come out on the other side. And I just think it's a, it's just an interesting culture that we live in. Um, it's a hard question to answer the, sorry, I didn't really say that there was questions, but, um, somebody asked me what, what my thoughts are on the, on sensitivity culture. And I just think it's a very interesting time that we live in where we have people who are now working in our workplaces, taking over our businesses who have lived in a, basically through school, through university, never, never actually getting told. No, never actually getting told that's not the right thing to do. Um, we live in a time where it's, more hip and more cool to be your friend, your kid's best friend than it is to be their dad, their mom. And the Bible tells us don't spare the rod because you'll spoil the child. And we live in a time where the rod is offensive. So we don't do that. Spoiling the child is the most important thing we can do. And I think it's interesting that we now see that we're, start, we're starting to see the, the fruit of all of that labor. And what, what we see is a culture that if you say anything that offends even a minority, or a, um, even if it is the masses. But if you say anything, there is no there is no grace. There's ultimate like sh- shaming, and I find it I find it interesting in terms of Don that he's been saying this stuff for years. This isn't the first time he's even said that. Um, probably the first time he's articulated it in such a bad way. But um, he's been racist against Russians, French Canadians. He's been borderline abusive towards european hockey players for years but nobody cares because white european hockey players aren't like that. that's not that's not a demographic that we're worried about offending we're not worried about them but the moment he says anything about immigrants anything like that we get very offended by that because that's what we've been trained to do and because that's that's we know that we know that there's sensitivity issues there so we jump and i'm not saying that that's wrong i'm not saying we shouldn't be protecting our, our immigrants or anything like that i'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is i find it funny that we like um we've done with hollywood stars and, and whatnot we let them get away with these things so long to the point where eventually they do something that we can't we can't let them away with and it's now hip and cool to jump on them so we do and i just think that's very very interesting that's my two cents i i thought it was hilarious that i could i all oh, you guys uh, just flamed not that anybody who flamed is probably still listening to this um on facebook uh, but that's my two thoughts that was Pooty. have a great one bye